Traveling the Vortex We've joined Doctor Who as he journeys into time and arrives at episode 579. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How's everybody How's going, doing Glenn? this week? There's a, uh, a great story circulating where Elmo jumped <laughs> onto Twitter and said, just checking in, how's everybody doing? And the internet being the internet unloaded with tales of existential horror and uh, how rough things are and how uh, one person, uh, I know I'll never be able to buy a house in this economy and I've come to accept that. Somebody else talked about uh, some issues they were having. Somebody else had just gotten fired. Somebody's, I mean, it was just on and 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 on. And uh, to which Elmo replied, I'm glad I asked. It's important to check up on your friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like that. <laughs> if I had seen Elmo's post, I would have chimed in. <laughs> but other than that, I, I'm okay. <laughs> Did you guys watch anything or uh, read anything this past week? I finished a book. The Southern Book Club's Guide to Vampire Slain, which is the same author who wrote How to Sell a Haunted House. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Grady Hendrix is his name. It was good. It wasn't quite as good as uh, How to Sell a Haunted House, but it was very enjoyable. It had a bit more... It's kind of... Fright Night, but permanent, but the protagonist is a middle-aged housewife mm. in a book club in the South. So <laughs> it's kind of kind of like has that vibe of vampire comes into town and they try to have to fight him off. Um, essentially, that's the gist of it. But it goes some very different directions. It's not your traditional vampire. It's not your traditional story, and it has a couple of very graphic very mature sections to it so if you're squeamish about that sort of thing I, I wouldn't recommend it but if that sort of thing doesn't bother you and you enjoy kind of a b horror book you would enjoy this book it's got some pretty good humor in it too it sounds kind of interesting other than that i've been playing marvel's spider-man mm, how's that is phenomenal it is amazing it's spectacular uh, it's all the Spider-Man. It's all the Spider-Man <laughs> adjectives. I've is been it playing friendly it. and neighborhood. Yes, <laughs> it is. You can actually greet people on the streets. Mm, oh, cool. You can cool. Just walk up to them and go, "Hey!" And in fact, there's a trophy for it <laughs> by greeting so many people. It's it's so much fun. There's all sorts of different little side missions you get to do. I've played it for about 14 hours now, hmm. and. I think at last check, I was only at like 40% of the way through the game. So it's very big, lots to do, but it, it rolls it out slowly so you're not overwhelmed all at once. And the level of detail as you're swinging through New York City is incredible. You have to go, or you can go at some point, and take pictures of landmarks throughout New York. Hmm. And so some of the landmarks are Avengers Tower and Alias Investigations and the Sanctum Santorum, along with actual real New York landmarks. So it's the level of detail is incredible. And the gameplay is a lot of fun too. It's kind of imagine Arkham Asylum 
but it's Spider-Man set in New York City. I mean, that's that's kind of what it's like because you have some stealth stuff, you have some just fighting stuff, but they use the abilities of Spider-Man wisely, and the traversing through the city is a lot of fun as well. What about you, Glenn? Well, Sean? yeah, Sean, go first. We caught up on an Oscar nominee. We watched uh, Past Lives, which was excellent. Really, really good. And uh, watched the Chiefs win. Go team! Did I tell you I finished the, the third Dresden book? I think I did, maybe. You were almost done. Yeah, I was almost done. I, I did finish it and have started the fourth. And that's about it, I think. Well, you reminded me. Kept us you reminded me of something else I did. I watched Chiefs too. So. <laughs> <laughs> As did I. <laughs> I uh, actually watched Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, which mm. is pretty. It's a pretty good superhero movie. It's it's kind of. I mean, it's not the best superhero movie, but it's it's fun. It's um, fun. It's got a lot of heart. A lot of emphasis on family. I think what um, DC kind of felt like it did, and and I think that uh, James Gunn will probably write the ship a bit, but they went from being super uber too dark with their universe to almost on the verge of being too light with it. And I kind of felt that with flash and this, and don't get me wrong. And the they, first Aquaman. Too. They, they de- no, see, I don't think that the first Aquaman, I think the, I think one, the first wonder woman movie and the first Aquaman movie to me was the right balance of light, fun, uh, superhero film. This one and The Flash and probably even the second Wonder Woman movie just kind of felt like they went a little too light with them. But now don't get me wrong. I would much rather see light, fun superhero movies as opposed to that Zack Snyder stuff. But (laughs) (laughs) um, but overall, I I liked it. It's not bad. And it's unfortunate that, you know, this is where the uh, original DCU, DCEU, bows out because you know i think we've finally untidily gotten invested in some of these heroes and some of the good ones like jason momoa's aquaman which i've really enjoyed um gal gadot's um wonder woman great mm-hmm. um and even uh, even no, I'll, I'll say it um <laughs> the guy that ben plays bruce, thank you ben, ben affleck's for bruce wayne has been great um probably the highlight of the <laughs> snyder stuff um, <laughs> I listened to the Smartless episode with him, and he said he finally figured out how to play the character Flash. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> at least that's how he felt. <laughs> um, and then I finished, uh, well, the first season of Monarch Legacy of Monsters, and I can't say much because you guys are not done. But um, the last episode both was epic and blew me away, and then made me mad because it's obvious that they're setting up the next season and (laughs) where it went, I didn't want it to go, but it couldn't have gone anywhere else. So it's going to be very cool how they set up the next season. So, or how they, how they deal with the next season, I think it's going to be kind of cool. Hello, fellow time travelers, and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whip, 
and every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Allison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. We are going on a journey, a very long journey, through the world of the Target novelizations and publication order. Every week, we are looking at a new book, talking about Terrace Dix, Malcolm Hulk, and all our Doctor Who novelization friends. Whatever you do, keep turning the pages. This is Jason Miller of the Doctor Who Literature Podcast, a member of the Direction Point Podcast Network, and you are listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Podcast. Um, I listened to Fugitive of the Daleks, which is the uh, first Doctor Adventures uh, most uh, recent release, and that is my something new two-minute review. This is um, <laughs> Stephen Noonan's uh, outing as the first Doctor in this one. Uh, he does a good job as the first Doctor. I still think his tone isn't quite there, but his cadence and his rhythm with the voice and the mannerisms that he does are spot on. So it's one of those, just like Tim Trelore for me, when I start listening to him as the Doctor, I have to settle into it, and once I settle into him portraying the first Doctor, then... I'm invested and he is the first doctor for me. It just takes a little bit to get into it. Um, this one also stars uh, Vicky and surprisingly Dodo, which I thought was an interesting <laughs> addition. Uh, Vicky is Maureen O'Brien returns. Um, she's a much stronger character than she ever was as a companion than she ever was in any of the series. And she was a good companion. Don't get me wrong in the series, but she's really strong in this. And I think she really carries a lot of it. Uh, the doctor, ends up showing up in, um, I guess, ancient Troy, not long after, uh, well, it's not long after for him. It's not long after he left her, but, um, very much for her because she's grown old and has a grandson now. And, uh, TARDIS materializes and she doesn't know why, uh, he could possibly be there. And so the adventure ensues. Um, there is an element to the story that I kind of caught on to early. I don't know that that was to its detriment. And I think part of the reason why I figured out a surprise that was revealed about halfway through is because it's something that I previously thought would be cool to do in a Doctor Who story. So I think my mind was already there, and that's why I kind of figured it out. Um, and then uh, Dodo Chaplet is played by Lauren Cornelius, who does a good job as the character. Unfortunately, I think the character is very underused in this. Um she shows up kind, kind of, like of she was in the show. well yeah she shows up kind of like i think the character has more potential to kind of expand and explore the uh explore that element later on in more releases as they go so i'm looking forward to them doing that but in this one it really kind of felt like she was underused um but i really felt like that lauren cornelius did did a good job as dodo i i believed that it was her and um i think she does honor to the to the character that jackie lane did um with also kind of giving it, you know, like I say, being able to expand the characters. So um, I highly recommend it. It was a lot of fun. And that is my something new two minute review. Nice. Was a surprise involving Daleks. 
<laughs> well, since they were in the title, in no. The title. <laughs> no, I think. Wait, the, there were Daleks in this story. Uh, the, uh, just without giving anything too much away, the fugitive was the surprise. This is Tim Trelaw. This is David J. Howe. I'm Peter Purvis. I am Sadie Miller. This is Lauren Cornelius. Larry, it's Fraser. For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world and beyond, the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. I'm Larry Van Mersberg, and your host, and I've been collecting for 42 years. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex on the Direction Point Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 13, and that's our doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time Ram. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories. So you don't have to. You're listening to Travelling the Vortex. You are invited on an adventure across all of time and space, in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Khashki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Hooniverse. On Shuffle. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. Well, we don't have any news this week, really, to talk about. Um, so I'd say let's just get right on with the uh, topic of a discussion, which is Doctor Who Journey into Time. And I lost my document that sets this up. Sorry, guys. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see the synopsis I have is not very good. Yeah. Um, well, it's basically what if <laughs> right so journey in the time actually is uh, an unreleased audio because it, this was done as a pilot by a company that took a long time getting the okay to do it on radio uh, from the bbc and what happened was they decided they wanted to adapt it for radio but the bbc did not want it to um, be played in uh the UK or surrounding areas. And they did wanted to make sure that offshore pilot radio pirate radio stations didn't get it as well. And so there had to be a lot of assurances that it was going to be sold to markets, you know, overseas. There was also some concerns from the BBC that some of the things that are sold to the U S market in those days, in the 1960s was marketed as BBC, even when they weren't. And so the, sometimes according to the BBC, their quality wasn't, up to BBC standard, but the people in the U S were being led to believe they were, they were BBC stories. And so there was some hesitation with that, but eventually they did get it uh, going and they had to do a pilot for this in order to, as a proof of concept. And then eventually things started to fall apart, but it would have been a 52 installment radio series of about, well, I think it's what, 20 minutes each, 25 minutes each. Um, and so 
the pilot was actually uh, recorded by uh, Peter Cushing, who played the Doctor in the tele and in the uh, the movies uh, adaptations of uh, Doctor Who and the Daleks, and Doctor Who Daleks invade. No, I'm sorry, it's just Daleks Invasion Earth twenty. 150. I always forget AD. <laughs> Such a long don't title. The yeah. Don't, don't forget the 80. Um, and so uh, that's where that's where we land on that. And uh, what we did is we found a um, group called BMAT Productions. And I will have a link on our website and in the show notes for this episode so that you can go check it out because they have done some other productions as well, but they actually... Um, the script has been reprinted in Nothing at the End of the Lane, issue three. They were able to get it, and there's a really nice write-up on Journey into Time and how it kind of came about. And uh, so these guys took the script that is available, and they made their own audio, and that's what we're going to be reviewing right now. That article in Nothing in the Lane was really interesting, I thought. Um the amount of detail they were able to get out of everything that happened in the article and the even correspondence between people that they were able to publish. I thought I was really impressed by the, the quality of, of journalism performed there. I would and agree. The idea that Especially Karloff was going to be the doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating. Um, I, yeah, I agree. It was really well done, especially for, you know, what, I mean, I think sometimes, we downplay fanzines, but I think sometimes the, the, the professional quality of a lot of fanzines uh, really comes through, and I think it really did a, a, agreed in this uh, article as well. I also thought it was fascinating that this was one of those kind of, I think you said in the late 1980s or 90s, it was a blip, and they didn't, you know, it was like it, some information they'd come across that nobody really knew about and didn't get, mm-hmm. the, you know, looked into it and didn't get much uh, information on it back then. And then this guy was able to put together as much information as he did this many years later, I thought was very, very impressive. I mean, I think it was a pretty comprehensive (laughs) uh, history of why this thing didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. There's investigative reporting and then they're crawling around in the mud of the Creek bed, kicking over rocks. (laughs) And And this is definitely the latter. Yeah. (laughs) There were so many, I'm right there with you guys. There were so many little, Oh wow! Really? <laughs> I just I, I found myself kind of repeating that mantra throughout the the, the read of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, what do you guys think? I, number one, I think this beer mat productions um, for an amateur group does a really really good job with what they've got. Um, it does sound like maybe this was um, some of these parts were were uh, recorded remotely, but overall the quality of the production is really good. It's right down to the yeah. fact that they've got some really good music as well yeah agreed i, I think it uh, it surprised me uh kind of in some ways the same way that um mission in a mission to the unknown surprised me mm-hmm. with the, the the level of quality that went into the fan production mm-hmm. uh it just, i wasn't really i didn't know what i was getting into this week <laughs> so it, it was a pleasant surprise all the way around be like you know this is a this is actually kind of a cool story for being essentially a alternate version of unearthly child mm-hmm. and yet not and then oh it's a, a a fan produced audio and yet not because it sounds too good to be a fan produced audio right right um 
you know, just kind of across the board. Um, I, I, w- I was very pleased with it. Certainly, some Tom, of the... did you read the article before you listened to it? Uh, no, I, w- I did the other way. I listened and then went back. Okay. Yeah, so did I. I wasn't as impressed by the story itself. <laughs> I, I was kind of hearing the title, Journey into Time, not doing any reason to what it was, and this diving into the story. I was a little disappointed that it was just kind of a retelling uh, and reimagining of an unearthly child. Um, and the story itself, not quite scripted as well, I think, uh, as the TV series had. It's an interesting idea and a cool concept of, okay, well, what? let's change kind of the Doctor's personality and make it like the movie, and what would that pilot be like? But it was... Over overall, I was kind of like mm, the story left me disappointing. The back history of everything makes the entire situation more interesting. To me. Mm-hmm. So I I I kind of land in the you said make it more like the movie, but I don't even I don't even think they went that far. It's certainly not the Doctor that we're familiar with from the TV series, but I think that was mm-hmm. that was a choice. That was a we're kind of making our own thing by borrowing from something that already exists. And I don't think it even goes as far as to liken itself to, although I think his, his temperament and mood is maybe closer to Hartnell. The characterization of the doctor is probably closer to the Cushing doctor and Cushing probably would have played it very similar to how he did. And obviously it's another actor playing it in this, but would have played it much more as he did. But I really kind of feel like the characterization isn't even really the doctor from Doctor Who from the the movie versions either, Uh, which it shouldn't be because Malcolm Hulk actually wrote the script for this. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, uh, Terry Nation or David Whitaker writing uh, for the films. But um, I I, I kind of like the idea of, and from our perspective, it's kind of an Elseworlds thing because we we know the story. We're very familiar with An Unearthly Child, and I was really kind of surprised by some of the liberties they took. Um, We never introduce um, the teachers. uh, Mm -hmm. What we do get of teachers is very minimal, and the roles are reversed. We have the male teacher. I'm not sure if they said his name is the history teacher and the female teacher, I got the impression she was a science teacher. So I thought that was an interesting switch up. But then what made it even more interesting is we don't even have, we don't even bring the teachers into it all. We bring Mike and his dad into it and bring them on board. And it really makes me wonder how much they would have diverted from how much they just borrowed from the first story and how much they might've diverted from the series if they had, gone on with it because uh, this first adventure you know they end up the american revolution don't they is where this ends yeah, at, at yeah. the end of it yeah, yeah. and yeah. so that's where they would have Which gone is... on from there and so i would have been really fascinated to to know and so i think i understand what you mean about the story not being very good because i think it's a bit meddling i think it kind of takes its time to get where it needs to be but i think the story and the idea was very fascinating and I, I, I said that it was kind of similar to the movie. I guess in the fact that he's human, more yeah, than anything he's else. Doctor Who, and, and from I, and, I, I, and the original think sitting, sitting it, and thinking about it in the movies, he's from the current time, where right. in this he's from the future, which I thought was a nice, interesting change to kind of almost make him like the TV version, but not quite, since that at the time, 
we didn't know he was truly an alien. Well, that's just <laughs> at it. the time they were writing this. Yeah. At the time that this had been written, this that was the the idea was that he and Susan were from the future. So, right, Earth's future. I think that's one of the for me that was one of the most interesting things about it is that uh, you know it, it opens and it seems like it is just a, an alternate telling of unearthly child. Okay. And and Keith, you're right. The story's kind of middling as it goes. But what makes it work for me is, and because I didn't read the the article first, it's not until late when we get inside the TARDIS and you know they they've made these allusions to oh we're from the year thirty one hundred or whatever. But it's it, it's really not until they get Mike inside the TARDIS at the end and and Doctor who <laughs> says I built this myself mm-hmm. that it suddenly snapped from being unearthly child to, Oh, this is more like the, the movie version doctor. Okay. So then kind of my perception filter kicked in and changed everything around to put it in that universe versus the unearthly child universe. And then to read the article and and kind of see all the the other changes that that were actually kind of present in this thing and and kind of painted in the the rest of the the numbers it was like okay but we've talked before about unearthly child and how essentially perfect it is in the first episode that there's so much information that is given to us there's so much show set up that is given to us, and yet it's not dry exposition. It's interesting. There's a mystery. We're you know, you're, you're really not even sure who the main character is because we start with Ian and Barbara talking about who is this strange kid, mm-hmm. um, and then to you know get all of all of Doctor Who in in twenty some odd minutes. It's bigger on the inside. It travels through time, and oop, we're gone. It's all there. But then for this one to come along and go, <laughs> we wind up in the American Revolution. I'm sorry, that's a far better <laughs> jump off point for episode two than, than, than the tribe of Gum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's very true. I'd have been just, okay, what's next? I mean, give me the next episode of this. <laughs> I would have been, you know, yeah. totally on board with that. And so I think in a weird way, this being a little middling to start kind of made me even more than I already do appreciate unearthly child. You know, it just, it just kind of continued to bump it up a notch because yes, we stole some elements. We borrowed this, we borrowed that. And yet look how much that enhanced this while still making the original. It just goes to show that that's how you launch a TV show. You, Mm. you write it like that. Um, but I did enjoy the changes and, and really once Mike was introduced as, as kind of the substitute um, Ian Barber character, that's when it really kind of, for me, picked up because it was like, okay, so now it feels like it actually has diverged. And so where are we going with it now? And, 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 and um, you know, what, what else is going to be different? And so the idea that, we're going to have the doctor and Susan and Mike traveling and it's only a threesome uh, team TARDIS instead of four. And they're both young people. Well, this almost kind of sets it up to flow into the TV action comics. Yeah, it's true. 
you know, it, it kind of is borrowing a little bit from that as well. And I don't know if uh, Glenn would be more expert on what the time frame as far as when this was written versus when those were coming out. But uh, uh, would have been right around the same time. So I don't know. It just it just seemed like maybe that was going to be another potential tie in or crossover uh, for, for material to be borrowed from. But I could, dug it. Could be. I, I think that I think what this does when you look at it, if you if you look at Doctor Who on television, Doctor Two Who that could have been for radio, Doctor Who in the comics and Doctor Who in film. They're all really kind of variations on the same thing, but they all have enough different about them that they all stand out and become something different on their own. And mm -hmm. don't even necessarily, I think when you say tie in, you mean ideas borrowed. I don't think you mean it actually was right, yeah. tying in because that's, you know, John and Jillian and they're not even, they're, they're actual grandchildren and it, it is quite different. But uh, yeah, I think I see what you mean by it. It, it sort of not only borrows from, what had come before with the television and the film, but it does sort of borrow similar themes from the comic. And that might've been an influence as well. And I, I think it's what if... interesting that the doctor is very, you know, when Susan wants to go off and join school, he's very, you cannot make sure you do not let anyone know where you're from. And then he's the one very <laughs> <laughs> loose lipped about everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the flip on a dime bothered me. If yeah, there, if there's yeah. a falling down, it's hey, don't let anybody near. Oh, it must be you must go on your way. You don't need to be here. Shoo, shoo, shoo. And then he gets inside. Well, let me show you around. You can order food. You can do this. You can do this. really. Yeah, we're from the future. <laughs> I guess the cat was out of the bag. At that I, that's what I was yeah. going to say. I think the cat was out of the bag. The doctor was like, all right, can't beat him, join him. And if and you step that's... over here to this machine, we'll wipe your memory. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's part of the expectation of, you know, the doctor being grumpy about it still once it happens in an unearthly child, where at this he is almost jolly to show someone his inventions. Yeah, right, right. Well, and it kind of still fits in with that element of the doctor that, you know, he, he loves to show off and explain things to people. And I imagine Susan's had her fill of it at this point. So in a way it's like, Oh, I could, uh, you know, I have somebody new. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think, uh, it, for me, what's one of the interesting bits of it is I mentioned what if earlier and the, the what if series, uh, for, for Marvel on Disney plus, um, I kind of go both ways with it because in, in a way I kind of lament the fact that it is so tied to the MCU with its jump off points because I feel like there's the comic fans are probably, you know, screaming and, and, you know, railing is like, well, why don't you do so-and-so or why can't we have this or why can't we have that versus always returning to the MCU. But I mean, it makes obviously financial sense that that's the, the, the the most successful version of these characters with the mm -hmm. widest amount of exposure at this point, that's who we're going to target to bring into this. And it's still it's, the MCU. Yeah. And, and it's, it's still the MCU. Well, that's just it though. I mean, it's, it is, <laughs> it is homage to the comics though, because the comics would have were what if, of the Marvel universe. So, I mean, you, you, Oh, sure. You deal with what you've got, but uh, so. you know, we, we, you have a show called what if, where you can sidestep in other universes, but they're not introducing anybody new. 
it's still but they did in season two. Well, I'm only two episodes into season two so far. So, so. <laughs> but it's, it's it's still characters and situations that we're gonna. You remember this moment? Well, what if it went this way? And so that's kind of where they go. And while we've listened to the Unbound series, which is that, which is a completely different kind of um, deal mm-hmm. from Doctor Who, is you know, it's well, what if this Doctor was completely different? Right. So it's not even similar. It's just a, a, another variation. This to me feels more like a what if, yeah, because yeah. it it almost feels like it could have been where unearthly child started, but then no, it actually went this direction because, you know, not necessarily in a, a change from the show itself, but we're we're presenting a sidestep to that story, yeah. And so I'm very curious. I I, I would I would genuinely love to see more of this in audio. And find out what happens in episode two. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of hooked. <laughs> <laughs> and so thank you for introducing me to yet another show that has already been canceled. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to, I'm never, unless I write it myself, I'm never going to find out what yeah. happened with, with Mike. Brace yourself because we've got a lot more of these going <laughs> as we progress with our lost media uh, episodes. Well, I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to talk about media that it doesn't exist anymore. And I'm kind of grateful that there are these um, companies that take on these projects in order to try to at least give us a glimpse at what could have been or what might've been. And so I, I, I really like doing these lost media uh, things because it's kind of fun to sit and talk about and wonder, you know, what if, as you said, and, uh, this one I think falls in that same area. I, 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 it's kind of fun to just sit and talk about these things. Well, and as interesting as it would have been to see what would have happened with Mike and Susan and the American Revolution, it also, I'm a little glad it didn't happen because, you know, as continuity fans wanting to try to fit everything together, we already have issues trying to get the TV comics to match with the TV show, and then the TV, then the movies that don't really work at all within the TV show realm. This would have been another one of those instances where you kind of have, well, that's that, and you have to keep it separate because it's its own thing. So I'm, I'm yeah, glad I... that it wound up not really going into fruition, and I think it probably potentially could have not let us have finish in the future yeah that's very true it's it's one thing to look at it as kind of a, a mild curiosity in a junkyard as, as to <laughs> you know what what it is but if you really extrapolate well okay what could have been well let's say that it, it took off and it was successful and it ran for the 52 uh, uh weekly uh, installments and became as popular as the show and then BBC realized, well, we can run this on radio and it's a heck of a lot cheaper than producing a television series every week. So let's just do this. And so then maybe you get 700 episodes of Journey into Time and there is no more Doctor Who on TV. I mean, that's outlandish, but it's not outside the realm of possibility. It's it's pretty slim, though, because I don't think radio programs ran as long as television programs and i'm not sure this would have had the 
longevity that the television series had because it probably it, it is better as a visual medium i mean big finish has proven that they can do it in audio but i think because technology is advanced because sound design is so much better i mean you'd have been listening to this on what equates to an am radio today and it would not have been as good now i agree that there would be a few of those continuity fans that would try to shoehorn this in and figure out how to fit but i think just like the movies don't and you just don't you just let them be their own thing i think you would have just let this be its own thing as well especially had it gone off in a different direction than the tv series because there would have been no way to you know justify the reason why in one instance they go to the far past and in another they go to the american revolution it just it wouldn't work so you, i think you would have just naturally said okay well this is a different thing and and just you know for fans that have been in it and know about it that's fine but you know introducing someone new to it and they go well what's that and you don't want to be that's just a, yet another thing of well that doesn't really that's not truly canon so don't worry about that right now it it's just one of those you know I it's suppose, Doctor Who. I but it makes not. it messier. <laughs> I, I suppose that's that's yeah. I suppose that's true. Looking at to it from our future perspective, but I mean, if when this had aired, this when it had aired, potentially yeah, it, it would have been, been just in other markets. And Doctor Who did not make it to the U.S. until the late nineteen seventies, early nineteen eighties, uh, as far as a television show. So, I think America would have been introduced to Doctor Who much earlier. And it would have and been the TV this. show might not have come over. Yeah, as well. well, or or <laughs> or when it came over here, we looked at it and going, well, that's not Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. <see. laughs> um, oh God, can you imagine the discussion forums on 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 that? If you know that, that instead of this being the oddity, if the TV show because it had come after was the well, I don't like that they changed it. Who's this Ian and Barbara? Where's Mike? I mean, can you imagine those discussions? <laughs> those discussion forums in 1980? I, I... Well, you know what I mean. That if, if in the U.S. Extrapolating to now. Yeah, the fans. Extrapolating use. to now that there's a whole Doctor Who fandom, and they're going, well, this yes, is not yes, what we yes, yes. No. Yes, if technology had come along sooner. Um, <laughs> if you're going to put what could have been in your episode title, I'm going I'm I'm to speculate. There you go. <laughs> What could have been? <laughs> um, back to that article. One of the things I found fascinating, and I think I sort of read between the lines, is did anybody get the impression that, and I can't remember the name of the company that was producing the actual radio series, but did anybody get, because it, <laughs> it went by two different names, but does anybody get the idea that they were really, the reason why this didn't happen is and fell apart is because they were trying to get it commercialized in the and played in the UK and that it felt That's the impression it got felt it, like yeah. the overseas stuff was almost a bit of a ruse in order to convince the BBC to allow it to be played on commercial radio in the UK. I just thought that it really felt like this would have happened had they gotten that component. But when they realized they weren't going to get that component and they weren't going to get those marketing dollars in the UK, that they just kind of let it flounder and and fail i got that impression too and i think okay, part of good it wasn't just why me. why it's there is it also the article points out that you know at the end had this come along five years later it probably would have been successful mm -hmm, and would right. have happened because of the commercial landscape for radio changed drastically yeah, right once the 70s hit 
fascinating stuff. Mm. Well, Sean, do we have more fascinating stuff coming up on the schedule? Always and forever. <laughs> uh, next up, we hope. well, I think so. Next up, we return to the Big Finish monthly range with a look at the crimes of Thomas Brewster and the return of Evelyn to our ears, which I'm excited for, along with taking a look at the uh, recently released animation for The Underwater Menace. Uh, We've also got a companion archive on Kariz, uh, as we will be uh, looking into the Sontarans versus the Rutans. Uh, The... What is this? Round trip part two, round trip part... I'm confused. Those are short trips. Those are short Those, trips. Oh, short trips. I, I need to look over at the next column. God, I'm tired. Okay, so <laughs> the Suntarans versus Rutons is the uh, special release from the classic series. That, uh, that one just came out recently, right? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking Yep, just correctly released this month. So we'll be doing the first story of that. And then there's two short trips, uh, Day in the Life, that uh, are uh, part of this as well, After Midnight and Before Midnight, which feature Kariz, which is how we're putting together a companion archive. And then uh, another discussion panel where uh, everybody's done it. So we thought we'd uh, th- throw our hands in the in the fire or irons or something. We're going to burn something down uh, where we're going to dreamcast Doctor and Companion and uh, kind of put a, a, our own spin on that tired old horse that we have flogged. Not here. And then we'll come back to Suntarns and Rutans uh, for part two. And then, uh, finally, long-awaited, returning to the world of Lethbridge Stewart uh, with uh, the Laughing Gnome. We're ready for Lucy Wilson and the Bleedo Cadets, and we're finally, I feel like we owe Tim Gramble an apology, finally <laughs> getting around to the finally Candy Jar book uh, for that. And, of course, you can find more information about this on our website, TravelingVortex.com. If you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by joining our Patreon. Um, If you do that, uh, we uh, give you access to some behind-the-scenes and other audios and specials from us. And please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to this podcast. And make sure you're joining in the conversation, our listeners forum on Facebook. Hopefully you're following us on Facebook, on Twitter on Instagram, and on X, formerly known as Twitter. I think I said Twitter before. TikTok is where I was going next. TikTok. We're also on TikTok. (laughs) Anything else we need to talk about before we close this show? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.